0: Well, this morning I want to um, look at a text in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, and we're going to start at the 22nd verse. Matthew, chapter 15, starting with verse 22. reads as follows, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came, knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed. From that very hour. I want to preach to you on the title, What About Me? What about me? Let's pray. God, I just ask that this would be your sermon and not mine. That you would preach, that you would teach. And that you would just use me as a vehicle, as a, as, as a vessel to preach to these, your children, my sisters and brothers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What about me? I would suppose that for every person that's feeling great about life, For every person that they just are excited about the place that they're in right now, they feel so blessed, they feel so encouraged, they feel the future is bright. Could it be that there's somebody else that's saying, What about me? For the person who just received a promotion on their job, I mean, they got a raise, they got some new perks. Could it be there's somebody else in the office that's saying, what about me? For every person that owns their own home and it's fully furnished and there's central heating and central air. I mean, this is the home you dreamed about. I mean, when you walked through it and you looked at every room, you began to have a vision about this being your house and now that has come to pass you are in the house you always wanted to be. For every person like that, could it be there's somebody else that doesn't own their own home, that's wondering, that's contemplating, that's saying to themselves what about me for every married couple i mean a married couple that has a great marriage i mean there's so much love so much romance i mean every other sentence when they're talking to each other is full of baby and honey and boo and pudding and sweetie pie (laughs) could it be that there's another marriage Or could it be that there's a single person that's saying, what about me? Uh, Oh, y'all wouldn't know about this, but I'm assuming at a casino somewhere. At a casino somewhere, there's a guy sitting in front of a slot machine, right? And the light is going off on the slot machine and it's going ding, 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 ding. And all kinds of money is coming out. Ching, 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 ching. Could it be that there's another person next to him, their slot machine's not dinging? And they're looking at the other guy and they're saying, what about me? The church has to wrestle with what, do we do about the what about me's of the world does the church have an agenda does the church have a mission does the church have a strategic plan for the what about me's maybe there's been a time in your life for whatever reason you felt like a what about me You looked at the rest of the world. You looked at other people around you. You looked at somebody else's house, somebody else's car, somebody else's marriage, somebody else's children, somebody else's checkbook. You you looked at somebody else's peace, somebody else's joy, somebody else's contentment. And you, you tried to hold it in. You tried to pretend like everything was okay, but you couldn't help it. And eventually you found yourself saying, what about me? Why can't I catch a break? Why can't I be blessed? Why can't I get lucky? Why can't my relationship be like that? Why don't I feel the joy that person feels? Why can't I get that? Why can't I have that? What about me? I know that sounds selfish. I know it sounds self-centered, but I'm tired of pretending like everything's okay. What about me? I want you to know that we serve a God that is in the business of addressing the concerns of the what about me's of the world. It is okay if you get to a point in your life where you throw up your hands, where you shout, where you sing, where you go, hey, what about, hey, woo, over here, what, wh- me. <laughs> it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need. What about me? Well, here is a Canaanite woman that has the audacity the boldness, the courage to walk into a room where Jesus, our Savior, our Lord is sitting, and some other men known as the disciples. She walks into a room and it's as if she shouts, What about me? Hey, the Bible says she shouted, didn't whisper, didn't raise her hand, didn't ask permission. She shouted. My daughter is demon-possessed, Lord son of David. What about me? Now, you need to know the risk here. This is a pretty controversial, revolutionary deal going on here in the text. Why? Well, let me just be real. In these days, it just wasn't normal for a woman to walk into a room full of men and shout. Just shout at the top of her lungs, demanding an answer, demanding a solution, demanding that there be healing of her condition. That usually didn't happen. I mean, let me get more real. I mean, and these days for a lot of people, women were seen as second class citizens. You weren't supposed to go into a room full of men and shout Anything, But that wasn't the only thing she had going against her. It wasn't just her gender. It was also her ethnicity was against her. The fact that she was Canaanite did not work in her favor at that time. Let me explain why. If you go back to Genesis, around chapter 9, you will know the history of the Canaanites. Uh, Noah. Noah had three sons and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 9 that right after the flood Noah even though he was known as a righteous man up until this point had a night of drunkenness and in his drunkenness the Bible says he was naked. Now the Hebrew root word for this type of nakedness goes beyond just he didn't have his clothes on. It means indecency. It means exposure. It means scandal. What it means is on this particular evening, I don't know if this was a reoccurring thing or it just happened one night. We don't have enough evidence. But we do know from Genesis chapter 9 that that there was some type of indecency that had been exposed about Noah. He was caught naked. He was exposed. It was out. And two of his sons tried to cover it up. Maybe that's been your history. Maybe you're the person that when scandal comes, when pressure comes, your job is to cover it up and act like everything's okay. Maybe in your house growing up as a girl or growing up as a boy, it was your job to go to school, to leave house, and pretend like everything was okay. And if anybody asked you what was going on at home, your job was to cover things up. And so two of Noah's sons decided to do that. They were going to cover up their father's indecent exposure. But there was this other son named Ham. Ham. For whatever reason, Ham decided not to cover his father up. So when Noah came to his right senses and he realized that two of his sons tried to cover things up, but one son, Ham, didn't, he put out a curse upon Ham, his own son. But he didn't curse Ham directly, he cursed the son of Ham, Canaan. Now, that must be a big deal if you're so upset that you would curse your own grandson. I mean, that must have been a pretty big scandal. That must have been a pretty big deal if when you found out that you would get so angry, so distraught, that you would curse your own grandson. Now, you need to know the Bible didn't say God cursed Canaan. No, it doesn't even say the devil cursed Canaan. Canaan it says his own grandfather could it be that we as human beings have the gifts the talents and the power to either pass blessings to people or pass curses upon them the way we talk the way we live our lifestyle could either project blessings on the people or curses I'm talking about I'm not talking about what God does I'm not talking about what the enemy does I'm talking about the potential and the power you have. You could pass blessings to your children or you could curse them. You could pass a blessing to your spouse or you could curse your spouse. You could bless your, your, the, the office space at your workplace. Could be a place of blessing or a place of curses. It Could it be that human beings have the ability to speak justice in the world or pass injustice? The power is in our hands. And Noah decided to curse his grandson. That's why when the Israelites went into the promised land, they took Canaan. And it didn't even matter that Canaanites lived there because what do they matter? They're the cursed people. They're the slaves. Noah, our forefather Noah, told us that Canaan would be a slave to his brothers. So do you get the picture now? This woman, this Canaanite woman walks into a room and she has two things going against her. She, it's her gender and she's a Canaanite. She's a descendant of the cursed people. But what I like about this woman is she doesn't let her titles, she doesn't let what the world thinks about her, she doesn't let any stigma keep her from getting to the Lord. That's a message right there. I could stop the sermon right there and leave it alone just with that. I could say to all the sisters in the house, don't let what men think about you, don't let your gender, don't let your ethnicity, don't let your economic status, sister, don't let anything keep you from the love, the grace, the power, the mercy of God. If you got to tell a man, talk to the hand, get out of my way, press your way through the crowd and get to the Lord. Let nothing keep you from God's peace for you, sister. Let nothing keep you from God's power for you, for God's destiny. Brother, I ain't leaving you out either. What are you waiting on, brother? (laughs) Don't let any height nor depth nor angel, nor principality, no obstacle, no wall. Let nothing keep you. I don't care what your finances look like. I don't care what your marriage is going through right now. I don't care how you feel physically in your body. I don't care that you got a headache right now. I don't care that you're tired. All I care about is brother, sister, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever the situation, take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. I love the spirit of this Canaanite woman. You're not going to keep me from God. My skin color won't keep me from God. My finances won't keep me from God. My history will not keep me from God. My circumstance won't keep me from God. What if the church was like that? What if the church just opened its doors to the world and said, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter your skin color, no matter your finances, I mean, we shouldn't pretend that's a given in the church. We shouldn't pretend that people know that already. We should fling the doors open and say, come ye, all thee with burdens, all, all those that are downcast, that are downtrodden, the doors here are open. Come to the Lord. We might have to put a sign out. We might have to put some speakers in the parking lot. We we might have to put a sticker somewhere that lets people know. We might have to wave a flag. The Statue of Liberty is supposed to represent in this country, give me your tired, your poor. Way before there was a Statue of Liberty, there was a God singing, bring me the least of these. As you serve them, you serve me way before the Statue of Liberty was even built, there was a God of liberation in our midst. So the woman comes and she cries out. The woman cries out. She shouts. I'm glad we serve a God that hears our cry. When the woman comes in the room, the Lord hears her cry. I like a God like That Not only does God hear our physical cry, not only does God hear our verbal cry, God's ear is so sensitive that God hears our internal cries. There's some evidence in the Bible that shows that. Let's go back to Genesis for a moment. This time I'm going to go to Genesis around chapter 4. There's a story there about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain kills his own brother, Abel. God comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Somewhere, he's somewhere, I don't know. God says, look, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Now, now pay attention to that. God's ear is so sensitive that God can hear the cries of blood on the ground. Not only can God hear your, 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 your cries, your groans, not only can God see your physical tears, but God is so sensitive that even when you try to cover up your pain, cover up your situation, God still hears your cry. God hears the cry of your emotions. God hears the cries of your intellect. God hears the cry when you're trying to cover it up because you don't want to let people know that you cry sometimes. God's ear is so sensitive to the cries of humanity that God can hear the cries of dried up blood on the ground. Now, I mean, that's a sensitive ear. If you can hear the cry of dried up blood on the ground, you can hear the cries of all of humanity. What if the church's ear was that sensitive? What if the church's ear was so sensitive that you could hear the cries of humanity? What if you could hear the cries of people that don't even come to church? The cries of people that are ashamed to walk in the door because they're scared they're going to get beat up and they're going to get hit over the head with guilt and shame. What if we could hear their cry? What if we could hear the cries in Africa and India? What if we could hear the cries in Afghanistan? What if we could hear the cries in North Minneapolis and St. Louis and Atlanta? What if the church's ear was so sensitive that you could hear the cries of pain and injustice throughout the world no matter where it was? What if the ear of the church was so sensitive that if I was a hurting person, I could walk in the church, sit next to another brother, and the brother would look at me and say, now, I know you don't know me, and I don't know you, but the moment you sat down, something in me from God helped me to hear your cry. How can I pray for you this week? I mean, no. I mean, I don't need to know what's going on exactly. You don't have to get into detail. But is there just a small way that I could pray for you this week, brother? I just want you to know I hear your cry. Could you think of the transformation that would take place in the world? would you? People would run to a church like that. You wouldn't be able to keep people away from a church like that. You'd have to have six, seven services. You'd have to have church in the parking lot. You'd have to have overflow at the Perkins. You'd, they'd have to shut the city down because so many people would want a community like that, a place where I don't even have to open my mouth, but you hear my cry. I'm so glad I serve a God like that. Verse 23 says, Jesus did not answer a word. Jesus said nothing at first. So the disciples came and urged him, send her away. Send her away. Now, I'm trying to figure out, just because Jesus didn't say anything, why did the disciples want to send her away? Um, The church can't use the silence of God as an excuse to send somebody away that's hurting. Well, we would help that person, but God didn't tell us to. I mean, we want to heal that person, but God hasn't showed us that yet. You know, we'd like to do this ministry, but God hasn't spoken it to us yet. No, look, if God never said a word again after today, we have enough words in this Bible to know we have an agenda to help hurting people. If God didn't say anything else, if God, as my grandmother used to say, if God never said another mumbling word, all you have to do is read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Deuteronomy, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Proverbs, Psalm. There is an agenda in this book for the widow, for the orphan, for the alien, for the foreigner, for the rejected, for the outcast. All you have to do is read John 4, and you know that God has a love for the outcast, for the Samaritan. If God never spoke again, if God never talked, if you never heard another sermon, if a choir never sang, if another prayer was never prayed, we still have enough gospel, enough strategic planning. We have a blueprint for hurting people. So just because God doesn't speak, that's not an excuse. The disciples said, send her away. Finally, Jesus talks. Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. You need to know this is a test. This is only A test. Boo. (laughs) Pay attention. It's only a test because at some point in time, there's going to be a real emergency, and you'll have to know what to do. So this is just a test. Boo. Okay. Jesus is testing to see where she's at. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. This woman is persistent. So even though Jesus said, look, I'm sent for the lost sheep of Israel. She said, look, look, uh, I I understand, but I'm not going nowhere. Look, Look, I came in here shouting, so maybe I should calm down. Look, I'll kneel down before you. Lord, help me. Don't give up on God after one prayer. Don't give up on God after one church service that didn't go the way you thought it would go. Don't give up on God because you read one chapter in the Bible and it didn't make sense to you right away. Be persistent. Even if you have to turn off the TV, turn off the radio, close up the magazine, pull down the drapes, close the door, kneel down before God until you get an answer. Don't give up. The test is how long will you stay? How long will you stay at the feet of Jesus? He replied, another test. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. I got to stop right there. That's where she messed up. Now, I know some of you are saying, what do you mean messed up? this is a great story. She, she hung on in there. This Canaanite woman persevered and had this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus said, great faith, your daughter's healed. That's good news. Yeah, but after I read this a few times, I realized the woman could have gotten more out of this situation than just her daughter being healed. Sometimes our problems are so great that all we want God to do is solve an immediate problem, but we don't hang around long enough to hear that God wants a longer term relationship with us. I want to break down to you very quickly why the woman didn't get everything she could have gotten out of this situation so that we can learn something from this. God wanted to do more for her than just heal her daughter. He wanted to heal her daughter, but he had something more. And let me back up and show you why I know this. Well, Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs stop. That's where she messed up. She had a chance not to just get her daughter healed, but to have her identity changed so that she would no longer be known as the cursed woman or the descendant of cursed people. Jesus said the children, and then he said dogs, and she basically said, yeah, I know I'm a dog, but. Now, let me stop right there. My wife is here with me this morning. Honey, would you just wave your hand a little bit if you want to see? Well, why don't you stand up, honey, so they can see. You're fine, so I just want people to see you. okay. Okay, that's my wife right there. All right. Now, my wife is sweet, girl, but I got to tell you something. If you test my wife, she might go ghetto. She might, if you test her. Now, I know some of you are going, well, what does ghetto mean? I mean, can you say that in a church? <laughs> what in the world? So let me explain for a minute what ghetto means. <laughs> ghetto is not just a location. It's not just a place. It's actually a personality trait that you can take on in times of pressure. Or when people test you. And, and, and some of the traits are ghetto, as if, you know, if I say good stuff and right stuff to my wife, you know, she, she, you know, just like any sweet, spirit-filled woman would be. But if I say something to her that's not right, her body language will change and take on ghetto-like tendencies. Like, she will look at me like, <laughs> and, she'll, and she'll say stuff like, what did, what? I know you what now before you think this is a black thing this is not a black thing this is this is universal stuff I mean I know women from Brainerd you know white women from Brainerd that if you test them oh I I know just because I'm from Brainerd but I don't play that I don't play I might be from Albert Lee but if you test me look See, some sisters are laughing because they know they got some ghetto-ish kind of stuff going on with them. See, I have a feeling that if my wife was in this text, she might have looked at Jesus and said, I don't mean no disrespect, but I'm not no dog. (laughs) So look, dogs might get crumbs, but I want what the children get. I don't want what the dogs get. I, I don't want that. Jesus, not only do I want my daughter healed, But I want to know, what does it mean to be a child of God? See, she had a chance to understand that all those that are in Christ are grafted into the children of Israel. We are all heirs of Abraham when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. She was not a dog. She might have walked in being treated like she was a dog, but she could have walked out like a queen. Because that's who she really is. If you're going to be in a relationship with God, don't just get a blessing here or there. Why not get the whole thing? Why not get everything that God has for you? I I mean, I'm serious. She's not a dog. And I know this because Galatians 3.28 says, If we be in Christ, there is no Jew, no Greek, nor male, nor female, all the little racial and gender little Biases and divisions that you try to make, those things are washed away in Jesus Christ. We are one in Jesus. We are all heirs of Abraham. We are all heirs to the kingdom. We are all children of God. And I don't want crumbs. I want the whole thing. Now, don't, don't hear me wrong. I am not one of those prosperity preachers that says if you believe in God, you'll never get sick. You're going to get rich. You're going to have a big old house. You're going to no, 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 you're going to go through storms in life sometimes. But if you be in Christ, you can have some rain gear to weather the storm so you don't have to get hit and rained on if you don't want to. God has more for you than a blessing here or there. God has more for you than a healing one day a week. God has more for you than just coming to church once a week. God has more for you than praying before you eat your meal. God has more for you than praying to him only when you get in trouble. God has peace for you and joy for you. God has a destiny for you. God has a future for you. God has a plan for your marriage, for your children, for your finances, for your future, for your career, for your education. Why get crumbs when you can have the whole sandwich god desires to have an intimate daily loving grace-filled merciful challenging transforming love affair with you why are you settling just for crumb theology when God wants to holistically reach you, spirit, soul, and body, I'm greedy like that. I'm sorry. I don't want no crumbs. I want the whole sandwich lettuce, cheese, fried bologna, tomatoes, relish, mustard, mayonnaise, bread, some Kool Aid, some chips. I want the whole thing. Whatever God has for my marriage, whatever God has for my children, whatever God has for my body, whatever God has for my personality, whatever God has for my intellect, whatever God has. As for me, it is for me. I want everything, I want the whole thing, I want the full meal. Ah! Oh, Lord, have mercy! Well, you could be a Methodist. I don't want to be a Methodist, I want the whole thing. You can be a Lutheran. I don't want to be a Lutheran. I want the whole thing. Look, I don't need Baptist, conservative, liberal, moderate, in between. I want everything that the kingdom of God. I want worship. I want my praise. I want my peace. I want my contentment. I want my joy. I want my wisdom. I want my revelation. I want everything, everything God has for me. Everybody wants everything Jesus has. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody give him a praise? Can somebody raise a hand? I want everything. 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 All this thing is on me right now. let me stop here. Some of y'all got beans on the stove. They're going to burn if I don't quit. God has more for me than depression. God has more for me than pride. God has more for me than a marriage that's okay. A career that's alright. See, the question isn't what about me? At some point in time, it's got to be what about you? Are you getting everything out of this relationship you could get? And are you giving everything in the relationship you could give? What about you? I dare you to give God your marriage and say, do whatever you want to do. I dare you to give God your career and say, God, I want everything you got for this. I dare you to give God your praise and your worship. And say, whatever you want to do, I dare you to give God your prayers. I dare you to give God your insecurities and your fears. I dare you to step out on faith and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know there is a God somewhere. I know that Jesus loves me. Somebody told me long time ago that if I just hang in there with Jesus, something might happen that I'm not expecting. Is there anybody in this place that at some point in time in your life, you gave it all to Jesus and you ain't been the same since? I thought I was going to get a divorce and then I gave it to Jesus. My kids had run away and I gave it to Jesus and they're home right now. was supposed to be unemployed, but I gave it to Jesus. I was supposed to be walking, and now at least I got a token to catch the bus. I was supposed to have died. The doctors told me I had one year, and ten years later, I'm still here. What about you? What about you? Let's pray. If you're here, in the sound of my voice, and you know today is your day, this is your hour, maybe you're sitting there right now saying, what about me, God? What about me? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never made a commitment to live in an intimate relationship with God, and you know that today is your day, today you want to take a step of understanding what Christianity is really about. What does it mean to have a relationship and not just a religion? If you want to know more about what God has for you and you want to take that first step of commitment, I just want you to raise your hand up so I can pray for you. Just raise your hand. Oh, I see that hand, brother. I see that hand. Anybody else around the room? I see those hands. I see that, brother, I see your hand, brother. I see your hand, sister, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Sister, I see that hand way back there. God bless you. I see that hand, sister. I see your hand, little man, a little boy's raising his hand. You're not too young to make this revolutionary step. I see your hand, brother. I see your hand. I see that hand way back there, sister. I see you, brother, I see you way back in the back. Now, let me ask this question. Is there somebody here you're already a Christian but you know that God is calling you to dive into more of this relationship more of the word more of the praise of the worship but most importantly you are in need of revelation and answers for your life and maybe God is telling you to change careers maybe you're nervous because God is telling you to move maybe you're a little nervous because God is calling you to change the way you parent Or God wants to do something new in your marriage. Or God wants you to do something drastic and radical and you're a little scared and you just need to hear from the Lord in prayer today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Lord, have mercy. God. Okay, if you raised your hand for either one of those, just stand up and let's let's close in prayer together. Oh my God. For those of you that stood to make a Christian commitment for the first time, pray with me. Dear Jesus, I realize that you died for me and rose for me, that I could be changed. Jesus, you already paid the price. The gift is free. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Forgive me of doing things my way. Forgive me of my stubbornness. Forgive me of my pride. And Jesus, accept me today as your child. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are the Savior, that you are Lord. Teach me how to live in you from this day forth in Jesus' name. And for those of you that stood up, that are already Christians, but you're sensing God wants you to go a little deeper, God wants you to take another step forward, let me pray for you. Dear God, these my sisters and brothers, your children, they want everything that you have for them in their marriages with their children, in their health, in their careers, in their education. You never promised that life on earth would be perfect. You promised eternal life beyond this place. But in the meantime, God, would you give us provision for the vision? Would you give us protection? Would you give us revelation as you promised, as you, everything that you promised, to Abraham we are heirs to that and God help us to understand in an authentic way what it means to be heirs of your kingdom right now as we live in this earth on a daily basis God we want your peace that passes all understanding that God's our heart and God's our mind we want your contentment we want your joy we want your reconciliation so God reign on us Whatever you have for us and we'll trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you raise your hand to make a first time commitment to Christ there's a table over here and there's a sister here that would love to give you some follow up information. Don't leave here without these free gifts and resources that can help you walk this out. If those of you are here that stood need additional prayer there'll be prayer counselors up front here. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to spend more time. Don't leave here the same person you were when you walked in. God wants to give you more than crumbs. Crumbs won't even get you through the day. But I tell you this, you can get full on a sandwich. Don't be a crumb Christian. Be a buffet Christian. God bless you. God keep you. Thank you for letting me be here, and you are dismissed.